Mercer, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Otherwise podcast. I'm Rob. And I'm Amanda. This is episode 41, and uh, I'll warn you right now, um, we're, we're trying some different settings. Some, some different settings. We got some listener feedback this week asking us to turn it up. Thank you for the feedback. Yes. Am so, I loud uh, enough? Uh, <laughs> in my friggin' ears you are, but... So yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I'd like the show, but you're not loud enough. And so we're trying some settings here, and here's the deal. I've got literally a couple hundred dollars worth of a variety of audio equipment somewhere on a truck being sent here by Amazon that will be here sometime this week. Yes. We've got, apparently there are things called preamps that make your your microphone sound louder before it even goes into the mixer. And just a whole ton of stuff and like a 16-channel, much better mixer. See, the thing is, we we started doing this podcast... <laughs> When we first started the website back in 2011. Yes. Um, and we did it for a while, but we didn't know if we would really get into it or not. We so were we, drunk. We're still drunk. Right. But we did it on the dog dick dirt cheapest setup that we could possibly put together just to get it to work and see if it would stick. Yes. So yeah, I've got like a $60 travel mixer. It's got all of four dials. It's the size of two packs of Marlboro's. <laughs> Um, so four dials, two buttons, and an on switch. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, we we both used to do stand up comedy, so we've got microphones from stage setups that we've <laughs> somehow wired into this pig, and yeah, two sets of headphones in what is literally an an iPod headphone splitter to hear it all. Yeah, so it is the cheapest possible setup that we could do, and it served us pretty well, and it served us well mostly because. Yeah, this room that we use as a sto- studio has been such a wreck for so long, there was no room to set anything else up. That has changed. It's yes. So yes. I've got a whole ton of crap coming this week, so next week's show should sound better in a lot of ways. So if it's still too quiet, although if you're anything like my mom, anytime I open my mouth, you're being too loud, shut up. <laughs> but that's my mom, she loves me. So, so you're going to stop farting into the microphone? Um, I hadn't planned on starting, but now I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about that. <laughs> I'll be blasting into it like an open micer <laughs> at a Cambridge comedy club. <laughs> to close, I'll piss my pants <laughs> and, and tell a Stephen Wright joke. So yikes! <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the fact this thing has sounded as good as it has because we listen to a reasonable number of podcasts. I'm always checking out new ones. You know, a lot of them really sound like somebody plunked the iPhone in the middle of a table. And said, go! Yeah, so I, <laughs> I always thought we sounded pretty good because at least we had microphones. The fact it sounds as good as it has has been a minor fucking miracle. So next week actually may sound vastly worse as I try to learn how to wire yeah. all this shit together. But it's getting there, and it should at least be louder. So thank you for the feedback, sir. I, I will try to shriek more. And uh, we hope this is loud enough for you. Yeah. So for the rest of you, if this is coming across too loud, please let us know. Yeah. Oh, that'll be the, the <laughs> that'll be just the the troll war that finally <laughs> takes this fucking thing off the air. It's like I can't take it anymore. 
decides, you you may well, yeah, you'll want to turn it down because we're about to start freaking whimpering. Shrieking. Yeah. Wailing, gnashing of teeth. And because here's the deal, um, and this doesn't apply to to most people, and it's it's a good problem to have in a lot of ways, but... very much a first, first world problem. Yeah. This past (laughs) uh, weekend, uh, Saturday, yesterday, uh, was the San Diego Comic-Con pre-registration. So the yes. the way it works is if you're somebody who attended the previous year, uh, they have an early sale uh, available to just those people, um, which for the last couple of years we've been extremely lucky. And you know, within half an hour, 40 minutes, we come out of it with our four-day passes inch, yeah. with preview night, and it's no must, no fuss. And uh, yeah, this, this year we're completely frozen out of it, and it's completely a strange feeling. dicked over. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll get to whether we were dicked over or not, but it's a weird feeling because this is the first pre-sale of Comic-Con tickets since 2007 or 8, yeah. where, yeah, it's not locked down that we're guaranteed that, that we can go right this year, or next year, rather. The algorithm hates us. Well, the algorithm is what the algorithm is, and nobody knows what the algorithm is. That's <laughs> one of the weird things, but... So yeah, it's it, if you, I'm pretty sure it's the same system for the presale uh, as for the regular registration. That would um, make sense. So uh, just with a limited, more limited base of people who can get into it in a smaller chunk of tickets. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you've never done it, here's the way it works. Once you've got your Comic Con ID, um, for the pre-reg, we had to this year, and this is the first time we had to do it. We had to go to the website in September mm-hmm. and give the badge number from last year's badges. Yeah. Which I thought was a great development because I was hoping it would wipe out like 50% of the people. <laughs> I was hoping that there was a huge contingent of people who just like on Sunday said, yeah, I'll sell you my badge for 50 bucks and fuck it. And, and yeah. The others who were just drunk and threw it out at the end of the day or you know, gave it to their nephew as a souvenir or some shit. Apparently no. <laughs> Hard to say. We could have been the only two people who didn't get tickets. We don't know how that works. That's part of the thing. Oh, God, that's so depressing. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, so anyway, you do that, and then, yeah, they send you a link uh, about 24 hours ahead of time. We got a Friday, or was it Thursday? I think it was Friday. Okay. So, yeah, they give you a link. Now, that's not the link to the presale. No. Nope. That's a link to the waiting room. Yes. So <laughs> what happens is at 10 a.m. Eastern time, because we focus everything on Eastern yes. time here in Boston. Um you can log into the waiting room, which is just you, get, you give them the badge number again, and uh, was it last name? No, it's just the badge. Oh, number. just the badge number, and it's like, okay, yep, you're in the waiting room, and at noon everything starts. Now, theoretically, you can go into the waiting room anytime up to two minutes before noon yes. or something like that. We are paranoid people who want to make sure everything is all set up, so we got <laughs> we we are the problem. Well, no. <laughs> what we are is extremely fucking paranoid. Cause, and, and this is the way we've done it. This is the third year in a row we've done it this this way, and it's worked until now. Um, Amanda stays here at the home office to try and get tickets from here. Yes. I go to my day job, because my theory is if this is our only bite at the apple, and it's not, and we'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> but this is if, if this is our best bite at the apple, if a meteor hits, if there's a... 
nuclear strike if there's just a simple blackout and knocks one of us off the internet at least the other person's still in the game yeah so yeah i got to my place of work at 9 30 and called demand on the phone and we both went in right at 10 o'clock to make sure we were on there and everything was working and that's fine yeah then you sit there like a moron trying to find a way to keep yourself occupied for two hours because you can't let your computer go into power save mode Nope. Because that could knock you off. So you basically sit in front of the computer just trying to keep the thing alive and not die from your own boredom. And then you wait. And at around 12.05, it just automatically says, okay, you're being sorted into random groups. And within a few minutes, it says, okay, we're starting to let people in. And you sit there. Yeah. Staring at the screen, which refreshes every 120 seconds. And they're quite clear. Do not refresh yourself. Don't open it in other tabs. If you do this, then the algorithm will know and will kick you to yeah. the back of the line. Do not sneeze on algorithm. Do not taunt algorithm. Yeah. Do not... So, and yeah, you stare at, there's a little animated gif of a blue circle that just turns and turns and turns. Yeah. And you wait for a while. And in a best case scenario, you wait until it flips over and says, yep, let's register you for passes. In this particular case, you wait until it starts saying, preview night is sold out. Saturday is sold out. Friday and Saturday are sold out. Yeah. When you get in, Thursday is very low. You may only have the opportunity to buy Sunday batches. I mean, to be fair, they never they, they never said fuck you as so much. It was... Not in so many words. <laughs> but it's... Yeah, and I don't want it to sound like sour grapes. We have been extremely fortunate the last few years that we've been able to do it this way. And we're doubly fortunate we've been running a comics website and podcast for more than three years. Mm-hmm. We have the opportunity to try and register as press. So we're going to do that. Yeah. And we certainly can try to do the regular registration. But, yeah, it's just a, a weird feeling. This is the first time a pre-sale's gone by in a long time where it's not, yeah, we're all set, everything's fine, and they just worry about your... Hotel and your flight and everything else that you have to do. Um, This year, it seemed to go extremely fucking quickly. Yeah, actually. Uh, um, Like, I think it was within like 45 minutes. Yeah, it was uh, because I was telling people because I was not the only one at the office. I said, yeah, I might be here for a few hours because, yeah, last year, because I went back and wrote about it when it went on, uh, preview night took an hour to sell out. Um, people were starting to complain about 20 minutes after that. Yeah. Um, that Friday and Saturday were beginning to sell out. The whole thing went until about 3 o'clock Eastern time. So it was about a three-hour process. Yeah. Uh, all told. This time, yeah, I think preview night was sold out in about 10 minutes. Yeah. Friday and Saturday were out in about 25 minutes. And, yeah, I was closing up my browser going, fuck it. By, by a, a quarter of quarter of yeah, or so. Yeah. Well before one o'clock. Yeah, it was, it was, it went fast. It was like almost disheartening. Not almost. It was disheartening. I don't know if they decided to distribute fewer tickets this time around or other people just had better luck or a better internet connection or what, but. (laughs) Well, it's possible every year San Diego has tried to up their IT game because, I mean, just looking back a few years when it was. You know, legitimate first come first serve, and you were just hammering. I mean, yeah, only about three or four years ago it was okay. It's open, and you would get 
timeout errors and yeah. server not found errors and you just hit refresh and refresh and refresh to try to get uh, some kind of place in line and mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was 2009 or 2010 they had to abort the sale yeah now that was a year <laughs> that was back in the day see but all this pre-sale stuff is kind of new to us we've been going since 2006 yep and for the first several years that we went literally what we and a lot of people would do would be we get there on Wednesday and go upstairs to get your badge for that year's convention and just immediately turn around and get in one of the lines to pre-register for the next year. You could do it right on site. You could do yeah. it that day. You could do it any day of the convention. And I, I think what they started to realize was as demand kept going up, you know, because, yeah, the first year we did it, it was, yeah, get your badge and then stay in the line 10 minutes. And then it really ramped up to about an hour and a half. I yeah. think they started to realize we're really in danger of having a convention where 90% of the people are just the same fucking people every year. Yes. So we've got to find some way to throttle this. So, yeah, it was, was it 2011? Something like that. 2011 yeah. was the first time they said, no, we're going to have sales here on on site but they're not really on site they're over at the Hyatt yeah and sales start at like 7 a.m. and we've got a limited number of tickets every year every and day every every day rather and yeah so we sort of wandered by was it Thursday the mm-hmm. first day it's like oh we'll give it a shot and the line was it was ridiculous it was from the Hyatt back behind the convention center toward the Hilton people were spending their entire convention experience standing in line trying to get tickets for the next year yeah it was it was really a zoo yeah and it was it was a case where and and that year in particular I, I was having a a bad year personally and I got through a lot of it going like if I can just get to comic-con and I got there and this curveball got thrown yeah and I was literally I cannot leave here without knowing that I can go again <laughs> next year. I need yeah. to have this to look forward to. So Sunday, uh-huh. uh, Sunday of 2011, I you know, we were staying in a hotel about a mile away from the convention center. And uh, I set the alarm for like quarter of five in the morning. Now, the tickets weren't even going to start to be sold until seven or eight. Right. So it's like, all right, I'll get up at quarter of five. It's the last day. Maybe I'll get lucky. And yeah, so I got over there quarter past five. I took a cab. And yeah, the line was... Just like I described, it was all the way back from the the Hyatt past the convention center. Yeah, because this is nothing new for for most of these convention attendees. These are the same sorts of folks that will stand in line the day before for a Hall H or a Ballroom Twenty. Yeah, because that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, it's. But then again, it's a little different. For me, I don't stand in line for Hall H. I'm there for the comics. Right, but that that's why it's not inconceivable that at quarter after five in the morning, though, there's already a line that's about a quarter of a mile long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, believe me. I believe it. I was there. You were back at the hotel sleeping. I was sleeping. <laughs> and it was... I got there. I'm like, there's no fucking way I'm going to get in, but I'm not going to leave. I'm here. Let's see what happens. And I'm brain damaged because I drank the night before because I'm Rob and I drink every night. <laughs> so, Hello, have we met you? So, but, but the thing about it was since it was very much, it was so fucking absurd, there was a very quickly a sense of we're all in this together. So yeah. we got to talking to the people around me in line very quickly. And, and there was this kid, I still remember his name, Brendan. He was like <laughs> 18, 19 years old. Hi, Brendan. <laughs> yes, Brendan, if you're listening. Um, 
well, we'll get to it. <laughs> almost fuck this kid really hard. Not in that way. Um, there were all these people around. What, what do you think of me, for Christ's sake? I don't swing that way. I don't like an audience. I don't need the laughter. I got that from comedy. Ah. But, so like, Brendan, uh, I am middle-aged with a lucrative day job. You are 19. I will give you $30. 30 American dollars. Yeah. If you will go to the Hyatt where I know there is a Starbucks and bring me a large coffee with cream, no sugar, and you keep the fucking change, I will hold your place in line, Brendan. Brendan, you're the only thing between me and the sweet release of death. You have to fucking help me. (laughs) And he did. He said, okay, fine, but hold my place in line. So he went, and 10 minutes later, the line starts moving. Oh, God. And the line starts moving fucking fast. It's like, not, you know, don't buddy. It's like... (laughs) No, everyone's step fucking lively. We're getting people into the goddamn room to start doing shit. We are doing this, people. I'm like, oh my god, and I don't know what I feel worse about the fact that I this this kid who was in line when I got there that I sent him off and lost his place, or that I wasn't going to get my fucking coffee because I was just not in a place <laughs> where I could function. And literally, I could see the front door where they were letting us in, and I saw the kid looking around with a coffee, and I'm like, Brendan, come here, you beautiful motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> you glorious bastard. You t-. He had my coffee. This kid was nice enough. He's like, here, here's your change. I'm like, you keep that, you. <laughs> oh, he saved my life, and I got him his place in line. Good job. But And then, yeah, so... Even then, so now we're inside, and I got T-Mobile, which means if I'm inside, I don't have any cell service. <laughs> so I'm in, and I can't send Amanda a text to say I'm in the room. I don't know what's going on. So then I got to borrow Brendan's phone. <laughs> I, I give him another dollar to Surprised send. Surprised you didn't bring Brendan home with us, Jesus. Brendan was a good shit. <laughs> Brendan was all right. Brendan's the son I never wanted. <laughs> but um, so yeah, I sent Amanda a text going. I'm in. I don't know what's going on, and. Yeah, finally, about 20 minutes before they were going to fire up the terminals and start taking sales, they said, everyone in the room is guaranteed four-day passes. So, That's and, good. And there's just a wave of relief. And it was, oh, thank God. And it was still another hour and a half before I got in front of a terminal or something like that. Because, yeah. yeah, I didn't get out and back to the hotel. It was like almost 9 o'clock, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was, it was a long morning, but by God... I, I knew I was going to San Diego the next year. Yeah. You know, I didn't like doing that, but at the same time, I didn't mind it. And it was also, it felt like things were under my control. Yeah. There were there were things I wasn't going to have control over. You know, if another 10,000 people had shown up before me, there's nothing you could do. But I could set the alarm. I could say, this is the sacrifice I'm willing to make to do this. Yeah. You know. With the system they've had for the last couple of years, that's part of the tricky part about it. And I think it's part of what people get upset about. And at the same time, I don't know what the fuck they do about it. But it's, yeah, you go in the waiting room. They don't tell you how many people are in front of you. Since it's randomized, you know, I like to believe that since I got there right at 10 o'clock into the waiting room, maybe that makes a difference. But if it's truly random, it doesn't matter. Right. So it's it becomes tough. It feels like... Uh, we've gone to San Diego Comic-Con for nine years. You know, mm-hmm. Where's the loyalty? Yeah. 
But at the same time, they don't owe us any loyalty. They don't give a shit if we come or not. Somebody else will come. The They're going to sell 135,000 so tickets, and <laughs> yeah, and they will all get sold. And the fact of the matter is they are offering a pre-registration. They don't have to do that. Right. You know, they, they could easily just open it up for everybody every year. You certainly don't get a discount for doing a pre-registration anymore. You used nope. to. It's going to be but... 220 bucks for a four-day pass with preview for an adult this year. Yeah. And it's, you know, what is the point in offering a discount? What's the point in offering any loyalty whatsoever? They could put your badge, they could affix it to your forehead with a fucking nail gun. Yeah. They could take your wallet with the other hand and get some other kid to work your butthole with <laughs> a fucking broomstick. And they'd, they'd still have people willing to suck their dick to watch 19 seconds worth of footage from Mockingjay Part 3. Right. So, the 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 four day badge could be um, a a sharpie sharpie dick tattooed on your face with a barcode. <laughs> they could tattoo a dick on my face if it got me a next year too, <laughs> and people would go. <laughs> yeah. So that I'm, realistically, they don't have to offer any kind of pre sale. The fact they do is cool. It's just there's so little information about how it actually works. You know, particularly. You know, the only experience when they're the first year they offered an online presale was first come, first serve. That yeah. was 2000. That was for 2013. Sounds right. Yeah. So at least with that, again, it felt like you had a little bit of control over the situation. It's mm -hmm. yes, there's all these people, but at least I can press this button. Yeah. And at least I know if I see it and the system that year, uh, it told you where you were in line. Right. So as soon as you got in, you knew how many people were in front of you. So at least you had a sense of where you stood. Yeah, it gave you a sense of, you know, okay, it says 15,000. This could suck, but at least I know where I am. <laughs> yeah. And you, know, you could keep an eye on Twitter and get a sense of, you know, because, yeah, when you got in, you were something like 7,000. Yeah. And I was, yeah, up in the fourteen fifteen. So, but we could get a sense by watching Twitter of how stuff had gone along. Yeah, like, oh, I'm X number in line. Oh, hey, I got in. And you could say, okay, I am so many thousand back or hundred back relative to that number. Yeah, and it kept counting down. So you knew how yeah. close you were to getting it. And uh, according to the website and according to their frequently asked questions, they're not able to offer that since it, apparently you're randomly put into a group. Mm -hmm. And those groups are selected and you're randomized within the group. So they have no way of telling where you are. But it becomes really frustrating. Yeah. When you're just sitting there looking at it and all you've got is on Twitter and hoping that they don't put on the thing. Because the way it worked out, at least this year, was as soon as they said, oh, we're running low on this. You know that in 120 seconds, it's going to be the the fact you see the warning means you're out. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I... In order to get a sense of where the process was, I found myself going over to Twitter because I was getting the, the little yellow message box saying, you know, the sorting hat is doing its magic. Please be patient or some equivalent horseshit. And <laughs> May the odds ever be in your favor. And I went straight Han Solo. Never tell me the odds. Probably just as well. Because I've gone <laughs> berserk. But I would go over to Twitter and be like, did anybody even get in yet? <laughs> All right, nobody else is in. All right, I don't feel so bad. Oh, there are people. Oh, these people already bought their four-day pass. Oh, I guess I'm fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a frustrating thing to go through, but at the same time, I don't know what the hell else they do. Yeah, I don't know. 
Now, one of the frustrations this time was the timing. Because again, all you have to compare it to is what's on Twitter and also what happened before. Mm. So <clears throat> I walked into this, and like I said, I told everybody around me, I might be here till 4 or 5 o'clock until I know, because I'm going to stay until the bitter end and it's all sold out. Because I figured even if we could get Sunday passes, great. Then we got them and we can... Figure it, out something else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We can go through the pre-sale. You know, we're still going to apply for press credentials, whether we get them or not. Right. So, but yeah, it was really tough this year knowing that, you know, as this thing would keep flipping, I was on the phone with Amanda saying, don't worry about it because it's going to be an hour. We got an hour, but and then within 10 minutes, it's, yeah, we're running low on preview night. It's, okay, this is going to be a much uglier situation. Like, I, I got to the point where I started counting down every 120 seconds because it would say, all right, every 120 seconds, uh, we're shuttling a new group into a registration room, um, you know, if you were chosen, you know, good luck or whatever. But I, so, yeah, I, I was treating it like that episode of Battlestar Galactica 33. Where just <laughs> Yeah. And, and let me just say, I appreciate that because I would hear over the phone, deep, deep, and be like, what, did you get in? Are we, are we safe? And no, that was just my phone. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> that's a wasted boner. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, it, it, all, it all works out in the wash. <laughs> okay, you're doing your own laundry this week. <laughs> <laughs> but so yeah, it's yeah, and it's one of those things. It's almost endemic to it. You want to believe there's a conspiracy theory, and there isn't. No, it's, there isn't. It's just the algorithm, the almighty the, algorithm. Yeah, because it's it doesn't. The reality is, we have been extremely fortunate for the last couple of years they've done this that we were able to get in and get in quickly because yeah, yeah when uh when they went on sale for 2014 uh the sale happened in february of this year i was in in five minutes yeah so it was yeah, well, we didn't yeah. do it in february this year though we did it we did it in the um pre-reg pre-reg was february this was year it this? okay yeah yeah they did it much later this year ah so it's you know and when that happens, it's a, you see these things on Twitter. Oh, it's all screwed up. They're against us. And, no, come on. It works perfectly. It's only when you, get, <laughs> only when you don't win that yeah. you think the fix is in. And it's easy to think that about Comic-Con because their computer systems historically have been so shitty and terrible. Yeah. You know, I remember when the hotel sales were all first come, first served, and you booked it right when you got in. And it would take two and a half hours to try to do it. That's why for years... We didn't have to deal with any of this shit for about three or four years. It was get next year's badges, mm -hmm. and we stayed in a hotel where on the last day we could go downstairs and say, I'd like to reserve a room directly. Right. So, and then that kind of went away. Now it is very, San Diego has. It's worth your life to get into San Diego the week of Comic-Con. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, we know a couple places where you can book a backup room, but it's vastly more expensive than trying to go through. You know, to go through the the convention rooms. Right. And even those, things in certain ways are so much better now because that first come, first serve, I'm getting 504 errors, the <laughs> server's crashing. Well, now to get the hotels, it's, okay, get the form in, and the form will be processed, and you'll find out in three or four days if you got a hotel room. And the form loads like that. Yeah. But, man, if you haven't pressed submit within <laughs> 150 seconds... You best have your, your full, like, PC gamer finger skills on. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, 
you know click slowly at your peril yeah <laughs> I, so I, I don't know but what else can they do it behooves them to allow as many new people into the convention as possible you know it's it's a public event yeah you know you don't want it to become an exclusive club no you don't i mean we did we went <laughs> I I don't, I don't honestly know what they could do differently um, unless they wanted to, for those people who wanted some modicum of control over their destiny, have a small number of tickets sold on site at that time. Yeah, but then you're right back to the line is from the Hyatt to... Yeah, you know. I, I'm just saying like, that's the only thing I could think if they brought that piece back so that at least you felt like you had some control over some of it. Yeah, but the feeling of control is our problem. Yeah. You know, their problem is to get as many people processed as humanly possible and not turn it into, number one, it's just the same, you know, 110 out of 130,000 people yeah. who go every year. And number two, people bitching that, yeah, my entire convention experience was standing in line for next year's convention. <laughs> True. Because that was a big complaint that people had in 2011. Yeah, I I honestly don't know what they could do differently. I mean... Other than, you know, maybe do away with pre-registration altogether and just get better servers and then open it up one big sale once. Yeah, but (laughs) the cost to have the servers to do it first come, first serve like that is prohibitive. And... It almost doesn't make a difference. It's going to be the same wash of people. Yeah. So I just, I don't know how they do it. I mean, and taking a step further back, you know, we're sitting here complaining that, oh, Jesus, where's the loyalty? We've been going nine years. We're from Boston. <laughs> now, what about the people who used to, yeah, what the hell? If nothing's going on Saturday, I'll bring my kids over to Comic-Con. We'll just walk right in. Those they're, people they're have pissed at us. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> There's a large percentage of we're extremely fortunate. We got us some white people problems. It's that, true. You know, it's very oh, true. this is our vacation that we can afford to spend thousands a year to go to. You know, <laughs> a lot of people go to whatever Comic Con is closest to them. It's true. And the other thing I keep telling myself is, if we can't get in, on one level, it's going to be heartbreaking. This, if we can get in, uh, this is going to be our tenth. You know, and I'm hoping that, you know, now that Crisis on Infinite Midlives has a history of a few years, and we've been covering this on our own dime. Yeah. You know, we have never, well, we registered, we tried to get press credentials once in hubris. I think we'd existed for three months at the time. Something like that, yeah. And it was just you know, sort of a drunken, screw <laughs> it, let's see what the hell happens. Well, <laughs> what happens is what you'd expect. Because, Thank you for trying. <laughs> because otherwise, pre-registration would have been a cakewalk because the whole free world would be open on a Blogspot comic blog <laughs> to, to be able to get press passes. But, um, yeah, I mean... It'll be heartbreaking, but at the same time, okay, all that money we would have spent to go to San Diego, we could go to two or maybe three very solid reason, uh, regional conventions. You know, and this is something we were talking about to talk ourselves off the fucking ledge. <laughs> you know, bottle of Jack Daniels in one hand, you know, just <laughs> rage fist in the other. It's 
we could easily take that money and go to uh, was it Heroes Con in North, North Carolina. Carolina? Yeah. You know, and part of what we complain about at San Diego is, well, we go there for the comics. That's all Heroes Con is supposed to be. Yeah. You know, we could go to Emerald City uh, in March if we can get the the time off day jobs. We, we could go to a bunch of these and it'd be a lot cheaper. Then we could at this point, San Diego's not even the biggest comic convention in North America anymore. New York is, and you know that's a pick up the Fungwa bus. And <laughs> if you survive the experience, you're five dollars out on your travels. Spend the extra money on a place that only has some bed bugs. <laughs> so I don't think I want that, <laughs> but. No, it's not the same. We've gotten to. We really love going to just San Diego. Yeah, we know where all the cool restaurants are, and yeah, you know, gas lamp that are just enough off the beaten path you can actually get into the fucking places. Yeah, and and we're we finally gotten to the point now where we are beginning to also understand the surrounding neighborhoods. So we spent a healthy chunk of time in like the East Village and Seaport, Little Italy. Um, so you know, we're we're beginning to get a sense of the greater geography. <laughs> Yeah. Slowly, as much as one can on foot, and I yeah, because you got to be a goddamn moron to rent a car <laughs> in San Diego. You might I, as well rent a brick; it'll do you just as much good. I just i I have really fallen in love with the city itself. So yeah, I'll be bummed if we can't make it back, even if there are other conventions that I know on an intellectual level will be just as fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean every time we're there, we we have the conversation at least once. It's uh, you know, there's an industry for both of our day jobs here and you know, well, let's take a look at some real estate listings or <laughs> And then we feel sad. (laughs) I can't afford that. That's because San Diego is cool. We go to Boston Comic Con. It's like, get me the fuck out of downtown. And this is our town, man. It's like, oh, (laughs) this place blows. It's what we're in an industrial park somewhere near the waterfront. Yeah. To be fair, the the Seaport Convention Center. I mean, they could have dull containers. It could be just like going to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, it could be, except there's nothing close to the to the Seaport World That's Trade true. Center. If you flew into Boston and stayed at the Seaport Hotel specifically to go to Boston Comic Con, you'd be you, bored out of your mind. You would think the entire city was like an industrial area where the Irish Mafia can just dump <laughs> a body almost anywhere. Yeah, and the the only thing to do is yeah, stare at the ocean go on a booze cruise or or try to get hammered at the whiskey priest try to walk over to the north end without getting mugged <laughs> yeah and you can't because it's august and it's six million degrees and you're heat stroked you're easy yeah. pickings <laughs> by the time you get close to the north end so so yeah it's ultimately we're gonna try like hell to cover san diego um if we can't get there you're gonna get really good reports from one or two other regional conventions <laughs> We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it's because, I mean, that is the other cool thing. And we had this conversation repeatedly. San Diego has been the rising tide that raises all conventions. Yeah. You know, we talked about it when we did our episode about Boston Comic Con, about how five years ago it was basically a dealer's room with one or two reasonably heavy hitters on Artist Alley. And now it's a thing that just about sells out. And there's a great main floor and there's programming. It's still going through growing pains, but... I wouldn't have believed it. Right. You know, we went to that 2008, 2009 Boston Comic Con, having gone to San Diego a few times. And, oh, this is cute. Maybe we'll go again in a few <laughs> years. Yeah. And now it's a legit thing. We talked about Rhode Island Comic Con. Yep. You know, they were not prepared for the amount of interest that they had. And apparently it was 
again, from all reports, a terrible experience, but it'll be that much bigger next year mm-hmm. if they can get their shit together. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, 10 years ago, you wanted a big convention, you went to San Diego, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. Right. There's a lot of reasons we still want to go, and every year we can get in, we are going to go, but the the field is that much more open. Yeah. So, a lot of options out there. Yep. But none of them with a place where they will just continue to bring me steak on a stick until I whimper for mercy. <laughs> That's true. So, so yeah. Uh, apparently, we'll have continuing coverage of trying to get into <laughs> Comic-Con. <laughs> Next will be uh, how to register for press. <laughs> After that will be regular registration. And then if we're obscenely lucky, maybe we'll be saying, okay, well, we're on the floor on Sunday. <laughs> Comic-Con 2015. The struggle is real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, write that down. That's that's the first title title contender this week. Uh, all right. So enough about the comic conventions. You want to talk about actual comic books? Yeah, let's do that. So, yeah, the uh, one of the bigger pieces of comics news that came out this week was uh, DC has finally given some details to their convergence event which will yes. be starting in april um man it sounds familiar yes <laughs> but rob tell the tell the listening audience how it sounds familiar all right well we'll <laughs> we'll get to that so yeah oh. dc's big spring event is uh convergence uh it is going to be 40 two-part miniseries uh it's going to be going on over the course of a couple months uh and it's going to be stories that take place throughout dc's history not just New 52, but pre-New 52. And it looks like some pre-Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to and, and the, the premise behind it is supposedly Brainiac has been putting various cities in bottles from a variety of DC universes. And uh, he's going to take them all and bring them to some planet and turn them loose and let them punch on each other for a few <laughs> issues. And, yeah, they... Uh, to show some of the scope of what they're doing, they uh, they released a, a promo image, and we'll put that up on the uh, the show notes on the main home site. Uh, but yeah, the image has. Have you seen it? Uh, I don't think I have actually. Yeah, see if you can dial it up. Um, it's it, basically one of these standard. Actually, go yeah, go to the top of that. This. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. I guess I have seen it then. Yeah. So. No, no, this is a, a Marvel one. Oh, that's uh, Secret Wars. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, it shows a... Here, let me see if I can dial it up. Obviously, I'm completely prepared for this. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. There we go, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, it's a brainiac in front of an octagonal bunch of cells showing things from different universes. Um, And, yeah, in the little cells, it's stuff from all over the place from DC. Um, Yeah. I went through and tried to count them all up. I'm not sure I got all of them. Uh, We got the... Charlton Comics characters, like the legit, it looks like Charlton Comics, uh, Blue Beetle, uh, Question, and the old Captain Adam with the uh, the big blue tunic. I see what looks like a Renee Montoya Question. Um, yes, uh, I saw that uh, stuff that looked like it was, yeah, sometime around Infinite Crisis. Um, there's Red Sun Superman over on the left. Yep. Uh, Legion of Superheroes with Superboy, so that would really put that pre-crisis. That's over on the right, yep. just above that. Uh, we got the Freedom Fighters, 
just above that, I think that's just Shazam for some reason. Yeah. The wizard Shazam. Yeah, just Not, hanging out. Yeah. Um, uh, what do, where did I see this? Uh, got the Justice League from... Uh, actually, Justice Legion from DC 1 million. Uh, I see the... Um, the superhero super villain group um with like superwoman and yep the uh i the believe owl and yeah and i believe those are the pre-crisis earth 3 crime syndicate thank you crime syndicate uh captain carrot and the zoo crew are toward the bottom right there they are <laughs> uh the original captain marvel marvel family uh yep. so captain marvel mary marvel uh freddie friedman captain marvel jr uh Kingdom Come Justice League is in there. Where did I see that? I think that's toward the left someplace. Uh, got the Justice Society. Not the Earth 2 Justice Society, the old school Justice Society. Got the Future's End Justice League also. Yeah, that's toward the bottom left. Just to the left of that is uh, Commandi. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best thing is there is no before Watchmen here. <laughs> No, that's this is true. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody finally listened. <laughs> so, yeah, it looks like they're going to take all these moments from across DC history. Uh, people are wondering if it's another crisis. People are wondering if they're going to use this as an excuse to bring some facets of the pre-New 52 DC universe back, if any of this is going to be permanent. Uh well, it would be a convenient way to hit the reset button on the things that worked in the New 52 and the things that didn't. It would be, um, if you ask my opinion, and it's our show, so let's pretend you did. Rob, what's your opinion? Um, okay, first of all, this is being written by Jeff King. You familiar with Jeff King? Uh, no. Yeah, it's because he doesn't write comics. He's <laughs> <laughs> he, he writes uh, White Collar, what's that, the USA Network show? Yes. Yeah. Um, how, however, it's it's being co-plotted by a comics professional, uh, Scott Lobdell. <sighs> so, so basically, we, for this big event, we've got a guy who's never written comics, and a guy who's written some of the crappiest comics of the last fifteen. Could you please not rub the microphone? It certainly makes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Yes, for for those without the video feed that we don't have, um, that that was Amanda removing the popper stopper from her mic and pounding the microphone into her forehead. Uh, I was frustrated. That I I understand. Now that, now I'm in pain. That was a that was a <laughs> long way to go for a visual joke on the fucking radio. What the fuck is the matter with you? Uh, I need more booze. <laughs> <laughs> we can take care of that, but let's do the show first. So so yeah, and the other thing is. Part of the reason they're doing this event and it's taking as long as it's going to take two or three months is because that's what have that's when DC's editorial office is moving from New York to Burbank. Oh, which means that actual editors who could shape and form this story if it starts to go off the rails, yeah, they're going to be they're, Busy they're fucking her. gone. <laughs> they're on a plane or on a bus or something. So, so yeah, uh, I wouldn't expect anything permanent to come out of this. No. <laughs> I mean, this is like if Joel's parents from Risky Business left an ounce of blow in that crystal egg. Jesus. You, know, you can't expect anything good to come out of leaving leaving the keys with that kid. <sighs> Lobdell, really? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh, co-plotting it. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> Somebody's got to dump the books out while while everybody else is learning where the, where the kids' schools are and where the local bar is. So, yeah, that's DC's event. Now, at the same time, Marvel, a while ago, and we've talked about it a couple times, all of it pure speculation because there hasn't been a ton of detail, and there still isn't, but their event comic in May is Secret Wars. Yes. Now, they've been releasing promo images for the last couple weeks that looked like they were going to use what Hickman's been doing in Avengers and New Avengers with the incursion of universes and universes being destroyed and other elements from other universes coming in. It looked like they were going to use that as an excuse to maybe revisit some classic and not-so-classic Marvel stories. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, they've come out with stuff like Planet Hulk and Civil War and Age of Apocalypse and X-Men 92. Um this week, uh, they released a video, and we'll try to stick that in the show notes, too, if I can get it embedded, that basically it took all those promo images and showed them dropping onto a map of a planet onto, like, countries. Yes. And then at the end, it stated, Battle World Complete. So it looks like Hickman is doing a story where somebody collects characters from Marvel's <laughs> history and... Dumps them onto a planet to punch on each other for a while. It's, <laughs> oh it's my the, goodness. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing. <laughs> what is the fucking difference between these two things? Uh, two houses. A lake Don't and... you fucking quote Shakespeare at me. <laughs> I've had a hard Derp. weekend. <laughs> Don't put this on the level of Shakespeare. What, what are these stories is happening because somebody has to put the books out while the busy people are busy. And the other one is happening because reasons? Well, all right. <laughs> let, let, let me start with, with DC because I've, I've given it some thought. DC kind of needs this on a certain level. And it's not just, well, we need books to put out while everybody's busy and trying to pack their new desk or okay. whatever. If you think about the new 52, it really in general has not turned out that great. No. Not really. Beyond the Batman family books, and arguably a few others, you know, Swamp Thing's been pretty solid. Um, the Flash has been pretty solid. There there have been a, f- a few others, but a lot of it is just not clicking all that well, at least not for me, and I, I know it's not just my opinion. Um, everything's got its moments, but nothing's been, like, consistently great. Yeah. And some stuff that was great before New 52 just had, like, Green Lantern. You know, Green Lantern under Jeff Johns. I mean, Jesus, you had Blackest Night. You had the Sinestro Core War. You had some really great stuff going on. And I, I'm i a guy who will defend the Green Lantern movie up to a point. Yeah. You know, I like you know Justin Jordan and Van Jensen, who've been doing the writing on some of the titles, uh, particularly recently. I like those guys from their indie stuff. But it has not been working for me. Godhead as a crossover has a really neat idea that you know the life equation that could take on Darkseid's anti-life equation is related to the various spectrum rings mm-hmm. so the high father from new genesis and a bunch of the new gods are trying to collect rings and, and find the white lantern uh Kyle Rayner to launch a preemptive strike it's a neat idea at its face 
but the execution, it, it, it's okay. Clunky. It just hasn't been grabbing me. And Green Lantern for years is one of my top shelf reads. It's just, that's just sort of an example from my end. Yeah. And, I mean, I, you know, on, on another, like, end, there's certain characters that went away and still haven't found their way back. Um, and, or, or just finding their way back, like Wally West. Um, <laughs> yeah, but even that's not really Wally West. Right. You know, but I still miss the good, good old days of like Booster and Beetle. I want to see Ted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, everybody does. <laughs> you know, the, the, I love Justice League International. I miss those guys. I got all the, I can't believe it's not the Justice League. And, and you know, the all closest those. I got to anything like that was when they let Booster team up with Jonah Hex for a very brief time. <laughs> Which was more fucking fun than it should have been. Yeah. yeah. All-Star Western. That was another solid one. I may have been the only one reading it. It's no, I read out. it. I read it. <laughs> yeah, well, I may have been the only one behind it. But. <laughs> so... So yeah, the new fifty. It was a huge sales spike, but I, I I'm not sure the numbers have stayed. And they, I, as an entry point for new readers, I'm not sure it brought in a ton and actually kept them. Yeah. From story points, DC's events since New Fifty Two have really not worked, if not been utterly misguided. Yeah. I mean the the whole. Trinity secret from Trinity was in the first uh, issue of every one of the new 52 leading into the Trinity war, which led to the exciting climax of, yeah, it's not over. Uh, there's more <laughs> forever evil next week. So right. make sure you buy another six fucking $5 comic books you know, for right, forever evil. That gave us three or four months where none of the heavy hitters from the DC we're universe were even around. Yeah. You know, Batman was doing zero year. Mm-hmm. And even Zero Year, as much as I've liked Batman, did not work that well for me. Part of the reason being, and I don't want to get off on a fucking tangent about Zero Year, but fuck it, I already started there. Go for it. it. It's <laughs> For Batman to earn supervillains, and, and this may not be my original opinion, I may have heard it somewhere and just said, oh yeah, and integrated it, but for Batman to earn supervillains to be the major point of crime that he has to fight he has to have defeated organized crime right it's part of why year one works there aren't any supervillains. he's just fighting organized crime yeah you know, for him to get his rogues gallery where that's a huge problem he basically has to knock out most of the mobs right both from you know to earn that he's you know some dude in clown makeup poisoning fish is the biggest problem <laughs> gotham has you really need to get rid of the numbers guy you know, and the dude pushing crack on the corner. Yeah. But there also, from a story standpoint, needs to be a power vacuum so intense that a guy in a green shirt with a question mark on it can fill it. And not get his ass kicked by, like, Joe Blow on the corner who's wondering why he's dressed like that. Yeah. So so for the, this early a Batman story to not just be suddenly the biggest problem we have is Riddler, but... He completely wipes out the entire city. It just, it didn't work that well for me. Yeah. So I'm glad we're back to more modern stories, even though we're apparently going back to do just another, well, not just another Joker story because Death of the Family was really good. So right. I'm all for more Scott Snyder Joker stories, but feels a little quick. It does. So, so yeah, the, the events have just been sort of weird and misguided, and some books have had 
their own little tiny events, you know, Rot World. That was all right. It didn't yeah. deliver on the promise that it held. It was like it it, it started out really strong and then it just yeah. sort of limped along and couldn't resolve. Yeah, I think it was probably a month too long. Yeah. on on both of the titles or all three of the titles. That was also Frankenstein, right? I think so. Yeah. So the the other the other reason this is probably good for DC is the new 52 basically dumped out a reasonably and I'm not going to say it was even close to perfect. There was some questionable stuff, but it was a reasonably thriving DC universe mm-hmm. when new 52 hit. Yeah. Um I mean just in the couple of years before Flashpoint it's Blackest Night 52 was pretty good. Identity Crisis, and I know a lot of people would disagree with me on Identity Crisis. I, I still like it. Um, yeah, I mean, there was some shit in there. The Justice League Cry for Justice. and uh, Except for the art, like the art. Yeah, well, Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis oh, did not go a hell of a lot for me. <laughs> um, but I mean, Blackest Night alone, the year, not to go back to San Diego Comic-Con, but the year that was hitting... That was the first time we'd been to DC panels that were significantly and visibly more crowded than Marvel panels. More crowded, and the fans were excited, passionate about it. Like, not that they're fans; they call it comes from fanatic for a reason. But there was just a palpable level of emotion in the room for those panels. Yeah, so I mean, there was some really good stuff going on. There was some crap, but there's always crap going on at either publisher that you could say, fine, get rid of that. Yeah. The DC universe, when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, had Justice League Detroit. <laughs> um, I mean, there were like 10 different kinds of kryptonite. There was a, uh, the Flash was on trial for like two years. And I recently <laughs> picked up the showcase just to remind myself, oh yeah, no, this this is not nearly as good as maybe I thought it was when I was 12 or 13 when it started. Um, yeah. There were comics taking place on like 12 different Earths. Yeah. Fucking Jericho was around. <laughs> Fucking Jericho. How, how do you feel about Jericho, Oh, Rob? The hatred is... Uh, Fucking Jericho. Any line of characters that would embrace Jericho deserves to die. <laughs> So, if they can somehow make any part of this permanent as a way to bring some elements of that back, I mean, even temporarily. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, it's like you said, I, even on a temporary basis, I, yeah, I miss Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. You know, written even half right, those guys are a fucking blast. Yeah. Um, you know, this could give us Wally West back if they chose it. It could give us Renee Montoya question. Yeah. You know, and it's stuff that's that I've missed desperately. A proper Vic Sage. Yeah. Not like Vic Sage, I run Suicide Squad. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Where, where the question is running around with a Phantom Stranger yeah. and with Trinity. So Pandora. Pandora, rather. They are the s- Trinity. Okay. I've been saying Trinity for the entire show, haven't I? It's okay. <laughs> I'm only on my second beer. I got no excuse. <laughs> but, but yeah, these are... It's potentially an opportunity to bring those back, at least for a limited amount of time. So I, I'm for that. Yeah. Because it's 
I want to see some of that stuff again because some of the newer stuff just has not been working as well for me. Now, when it comes to Marvel, I don't have a fucking clue why Marvel's doing this. Um, I mean, I can't think of a single good reason for them to be doing it. I don't know. And when does Secret Wars officially kick off? Uh, I think it's in May. In May. Because Marvel's current continuity, again, not perfect, but it's pretty robust. Yeah, and has been for a few years. You know, Spider-Man, one more day was shit, mm-hmm. but it's it's been pretty solid ever since then. Your mileage may vary with Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> I liked it, but it's over now. We're- yeah, and we're going to talk about one of the Spider-Verse books later in the show, but yeah. I also, again, my default position is it's going to be in May. Are they doing this to clean up some storylines and streamline some things back down to manageable levels after years and years and years of events and well marvel is the marvel universe is fundamentally different from dc's in that the number of multiversal stories over history that they can use is really kind of low and yet the whole premise of spider-verse is that there are multiple universes and earths well yeah and since hickman's been doing avengers it's the the idea of the Marvel multiverse has really been front and center. Obviously, for a long time, there's been the concept of different universes in Marvel. They don't they don't call it the six one six because it's a base six one six math <laughs> system. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, six. <laughs> but my brain. Yeah. But you know, a lot of the stories that they're showing on this are within regular Marvel continuity. So I suppose they could say, oh, it's... And I guess DC has to do the same thing since they're saying it's a whole new multiverse. Yeah. God, comics are hard. Who the fuck <laughs> said these are for kids? But, you know... But yeah, Marvel is in good shape. It doesn't need to go... You know, Civil War wasn't that long ago. You know, it but, wasn't that long ago, but it, again, if if they have a stable of writers who are looking to to write particular characters who you know died or went away, and they want to find a way to bring them back, I mean, they've already played around with time travel for that purpose for some of the younger X Men. Um, well, yeah, if and if there's a piece, and, and I say this as somebody who does not follow most X titles, I mean, at this point, I'm reading what X Factor. Um, I think that's the only one I'm reading. Uh, if there's a piece of Marvel that could use an opportunity or an excuse for a good retcon, it's probably X-Men. Yeah. From wiping out all the mutants in House of M and turning Cyclops not just into a dick, but like an uber super dick Fascist revolutionary. Dick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Heil Cyclops. <laughs> That's a possible one, I guess. But, um, you know, Jean Grey being dead. And yeah, this whole original X-Men from the past is is a way to get around. Probably Bendis just wanted to play around with some of these characters who are now almost untouchable. Although I'm looking at this in here, too, um, Secret Wars. I'm not really seeing X-Men as characters in here, nor am I seeing Fantastic Four, which is in line... With all of the talk that those two titles are going to be minimized in favor of other things that they do have direct movie property 
rights towards. Yes, the vengeance of Ike Perlmutter. That's rumors been going around for a while. So this know. also could be part of Again, the... Again, I don't know whether it's true or not, Ike. Please don't shoot me and allow me to go to the bathroom when I would like. <laughs> This could be towards, again, if they're streamlining, this is a good way to write out mutants in Fantastic Four in favor of the properties that they want to promote going forward. Well, yeah, which would make this just another editorial-driven fucking... Which I half believe it is anyway, because I'm cynical. (laughs) Well, it's it's sort of the nature of both of the big two at this point, that editorial's driving it. That's, That's a whole nother conversation that we will have over and over and over again for as long as we do this show you may have heard me bitch about this before i will bitch about it again (laughs) you are you may remember me from such from such rants as countdown to final crisis why so shit and And children my lawn get off it (laughs) but it's one of the things that's getting me about this is it it seems like a strange move for marvel to say <coughs> that was funny. <laughs> it seems like a strange move for Marvel to be looking backwards when it has been really such such a forward-thinking creative and editorial entity recently. I mean, we got a new Captain America, we got a new Thor. There's a new Nova. Wolverine's dead. There's a new Ghost Rider. I mean, even fucking Moon Knight is good now. I, mean, I know, Jesus. So it just it seems strange to, with all that forward motion, and granted, I know it's comics. I know that Steve Rogers will be back in the suit before you know, Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, next May. You know, I know Thor will be back for the same reason. I know Moon Knight will eventually suck because Moon Knight always eventually sucks. <laughs> but for right now, it seems like they're taking such chances and moving continuity forward it's i mean do we really want to see dick tony stark again oh well, we're gonna get that very soon with superior iron man well okay do we really need to see old man logan logan died two weeks ago yeah i don't think we're gonna see, i don't see old man logan on there well <laughs> old man logan is one of the posters that oh is it okay up. oh that's right there's yeah. a whole series of posters with this too and i've just got the one up yeah i mean do we need to see anything from mark millar for marvel that was ever written except for the first ultimates Eh. <laughs> so, I mean, it's possible I can see him. Even that doesn't make sense. I was going to say, oh, this is a, a possible way to keep out of continuity things like at this point, I imagine Old Man Logan and Wolverine the end would be considered out of continuity. Um, you know, the, the Hulk future imperfect with the Maestro Hulk, which I think I saw on the Planet Hulk poster yeah i don't think that's continuity anymore i see galactus in the background of this particular poster yeah so and i was gonna say you know oh are they doing this to keep those stories vital but those stories still exist nobody's screaming for them yeah believe me almost every book i thought might have any possible value i checked on an online comics price guide as i was bagging them and boarding them nobody's screaming for those back issues old man logan (laughs) you know I mean, Jesus, there there are 50 copies of Jim Lee's X-Men number one in every quarter bin in the United States. Do we need to see new X-Men 92 stories? Uh, no. I mean, right. I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> I'm having a real problem understanding the motivation. And the motivation could be as simple as 
well, Jonathan Hickman's not my favorite writer. He is a lot of people's favorite writer, and he clearly is ascendant at Marvel right now. Yeah. It could be as simple as he said, you know what? I always wanted to do a Marvel crisis. And that could be all this is. Yeah. And hey, that's fine. There might be some fun to it, but it just it seems like a weird backward step. And it just seems really fucking odd that both Marvel and DC are doing this thing at the same time. Now, you got a promo image from one of these things up. What were you looking at there? Um, I was trying to figure out if I... I I've got something here that appears to be a, a battle in space with uh, Reed Richards, some girl in a green costume with a red mohawk. Yeah, I... I don't know who she is. Well, she's also rocking a red X, and again, I, I don't yeah. follow all the X titles. Um, but there's Submariner in space. Submariner in space! <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, the thing that had me the most interested is, is this a scroll up here? This green guy fighting possibly Black Panther, but I'm not sure who that is really. You're going to make me stand Yeah, I'm going to make you stand. I'm with sorry. With all these friggin' wires all over the place. I make good choices. Um... It's, it's like Black Bolt on the other side of him. Yeah. Um, I am honestly not sure who that is. I don't think it's a scroll. Yeah. But. I don't, who's this with the. That's uh, Hyperion. Oh, okay. At least I think it's Hyperion. Hyperion. It seems to be a different <laughs> costume than he's been wearing, but. And I feel like this particular speedster character was introduced in Hickman's last. Yeah, uh, his. His personal Justice League pastiche, yeah, and it may be that that dude is from that uh, from that also. Oh, the could dude be with the cape, and I'm just not remembering it. All right. So, yeah, I guess. Oh, there's Doctor Strange <laughs> being strange. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Doctor Strange in space, but yeah, <laughs> you know, if if Namor can't yell Imperious Rex without his eyeballs exploding. His, <laughs> <laughs> Blood boiling. I mean, that that's a way to give Namor the bends, which I suppose is a semi-ironic way to kill <laughs> to kill the Submariner. But yeah, and yeah, the girl in the green, despite the X, that may be also the same. Oh yeah, yeah, green, um, just the Green Lantern pastiche. Yeah, now I'm wondering because I, I see something that looks like a Doctor Fate pastiche also. Okay. Um, so I'm wondering if these are the characters from that particular. Yeah, the, this may run. just be a yeah from that particular issue, which yeah. I I read drunk about two, <laughs> or, two or three months ago. So, so I mean, considering this is all the comics we're getting basically until June or July, I don't know which one are you looking forward to more. Spider Verse. Well. <laughs> Me, me too, and we'll talk about that, because anything that gives me my electric company Spider-Man, I want to read. I mean, I will I will enter into reading both of them with open mind, because I don't think it... Maybe I'm projecting. I don't think it's the worst thing if both of these houses use these events as an opportunity to streamline their shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm looking more forward to the DC, because there's stuff that they're presenting that I miss. Yeah. That you can argue needed to be thrown away because DC at the very least has always been willing to say fuck it, let's give everybody a chance to get in on the ground floor. Yeah. And Crisis on Infinite Earths worked for me whether it worked for me because I was 
15 years old at the time. I don't know, but it did. I think it was a, an epic story well told. I think that's why it worked for for so many people. Yeah, and the aftermath of it with the way they built everybody up. Yeah. Mostly from scratch, but still familiar, worked better for me than the new 52. But again, it may just be that I'm getting old and crotchety. <laughs> because I am. So Re-see my lawn. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I want to see Booster and Ted Cord again. Yeah. You know, I miss the Honest to God Justice Society. You know who I'm worried about? I haven't seen him in a while. Ambush Bug. <laughs> I'm worried. Uh, did he get squished? Where is he? See, <laughs> this is why we have to find a way to get back to San Diego this year, because it's always fun to watch Dan DiDio's head subtly, subtly <laughs> pulsate whenever anybody asks him about Ambush Bug. And I don't think anybody did this year, so we've got to get back on him for next year. That's right. But... Um, yeah, I'd love to see Ambush Bug again. It's not one of my higher priorities. You know, I, I would like to see Captain Marvel, who's not Shazam, again. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I already said the Justice Society. That's another one. I don't need to see Red Sun Superman again. <laughs> but Starman? Oh, Jesus Christ. If they give a TV writer and Scott Lobdell, James <laughs> Robinson, Starman, then I may have bought my last fucking DC book. That would be the worst crime against comics I could possibly think of. See, and then I, I'm going to be this person. You make a lot of good case towards, yeah, the DC one, the DC one. Then you remind me that Scott Lobdell's involved. And I'm like, eh. He's, <laughs> he's plotting that. Uh-huh. No, not plotting with a D, although that could be argued. <laughs> He's plotting it. Yes. And... Yeah, all right. They they could have done better. <laughs> <laughs> Look, having having seen Lobdell at, at conventions, he is enthusiastic. Yep. Um there's a lot of people who are enthusiastic. He has the best of intentions, I have no doubt. The cat gets enthusiastic. <laughs> the cat could probably write Red and the Outlaws better. <laughs> But, but it, yeah, it, maybe it's just the optimistic fanboy in me. There are things that look like they're going to be happening in that crossover that I want to see and that I hope are done well. So I'm looking more forward to it in that hope. You know, the Secret War stuff. <laughs> I mean... I, I, I'm not sure I need to see douchebag Tony Stark versus modern happy Tony Stark versus Rhodey <laughs> versus Mrs. Arbogast. <laughs> but on the other hand, what if it's told well? I mean, again, we keep I, I keep bringing up the Spider-Verse book and we are going to talk about it. That's a book that's got a cast of thousands of spiders. <laughs> the difference there is you can like Dan Slott or not. He writes with enthusiasm and an eye toward a fun story that makes sense over almost anything else. Jonathan Jonathan Hickman often says, I have a great plot that is intricate and baffling in its execution and gaze upon my work, ye mighty, and despair with bloodless characters who act out of the motivation of if this guy is not here at this time, I don't get to my next massive no, cosmic true. revelation. That's true. 
you know, he has. We will have. We have had multiverse incursions going on yeah. in New Avengers for two years, and some of those stories have been really cool. The ones where he lets it get down to the main characters and having to deal with it. Now, I said it's a great moment in one of the recent New Avengers where Captain America gets his memory back after being wiped by the rest of the Illuminati at the beginning of all this. Right. And basically comes back and says, now I'm going to beat you bloody Stark. That's a great human moment. And it's immediately, ding, taken away so that we can go into the future and see after effects of all this other stuff. Right. You know, when Hickman focuses on character, he does some very good stuff. But I think far too often he's, I have found a way to get all of these things together and it's beautiful and perfect. And if you look at all the parts and and it, it, the people are there to execute it. And that's just my opinion, but no, you're not. You're not necessarily wrong, and I'm not necessarily right. This may be his. You know what? Fuck it. I've laid all the groundwork. Now it's heroes mocking and punching each other. He may go nuts with this, and it might be a blast. We won't know until it happens. Yeah, but based on his history, you know, I'm, you know, at least Scott Lobdell. I don't know. There's no at least Scott Lundell. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to see Blue Beetle again. That's so. That's <laughs> there. That's my vote. All right. So, if everything fails, fuck it. I'm just going to read Image Comics for four months. <laughs> All right. Want to talk about some actual individual books here? Because yeah, we're coming up on uh, uh, almost uh, an hour and a quarter. Yeah, let's talk about some some comic books. All right, which one do you want to start with? Let's let's actually start with Grayson. Okay. So yeah, it's a Grayson number four out this week, uh, written by Tim Seeley, art by Mikkel Janin. Um, yeah, I tried to put together a plot summary in its own way. It's sort of just like just another night at Spiral Headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> just another night at Spiral Headquarters where Grayson realizes that. There are these robotic critters that Spiral keeps on hand to eat his own microscopic level leaving so that he can't be traced and found. And now he realizes that he's covered in bugs. <laughs> I, I have that real, realization almost every morning. But So yeah, I mean, it's it's basically an issue. It's almost a bottle episode. Everything yeah. just takes place except for one or two basically cutaway scenes of of a mission away but everything else takes place at spiral headquarters you know we've got yeah dick reporting into batman and discovering that bugs oh, bugs i'm covered in bugs yeah um <laughs> and spiral thinks that somebody is broadcasting something that they shouldn't be which amps up the paranoia yeah and in the meantime we, we've just got uh what the hell was the name of the school i wrote it down uh St. Hadrian's finishing school. Yeah, these teenage girls who are training to be sex bot spies who decide <laughs> they really want to take the meat from... Teenage home for little murderers. Yeah, they, they they think Nightwing's hot, so they chase him. Like one of Stewie's sexy parties, they chase him all around the campus. It's... It's, it's a... It's just fun. It's 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 fun, but it's it's got a lot going on. Yes. Um. And for once, I want to start with with the art. There's a couple things that 
Mikkel Janin did that I thought were really cool. Um, the 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 first splash where they're on the uh, it, it's basically the entirety of the mission that they go on, where he's paragliding or whatever. Oh yeah, he's got the the wing suit, the, the raccoon suit or whatever, yeah, flying squirrel suit. Yeah, <laughs> out of the airplane. But there's just a whole series of little tiny panels that get bigger and bigger in sort of a spiral pattern, hmm. you know, showing that action happened to lead them there, including some weird shit like a guy with bug eyes. <laughs> so it's, the reality is what happened in this mission do not matter, but it's it just, a, it was a cool way. Number one to show weird shit happened. And the whole spiral pattern of these images sort of gave it like a sixties cool, yeah. you know, psychedelic Steranko style. It's like, okay, this is the type of spy story. It's the type yeah. of art I like with this kind of spy story. And it reinforces the theme of spiral. Yeah. And the other one was the other splash page <laughs> that was showing the girls chasing. Oh, that looked like something out of Family Circus. With Billy. This is Billy's Root. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Nightwing's uh, Not Me. And, <laughs> yeah. And it just superimposed over a map of St. Hadrian's <laughs> finishing school. I just, I thought that was a neat little thing. That was cute. So yeah. artistically, there was some cool stuff going on in this. Um. But yeah, I mean, this is, on one hand, just fun, and a story with Dick Grayson, no matter the circumstances, it it was Robin. Robin's supposed to be fun. Yeah. So, so that worked, you know, and the, the fun was there even with the danger when he's deep undercover. But since this is a spy story, I thought Seeley did a really good job in amping up the paranoia. Mm. So it's, yeah, the realization, oh, I could have nanobot bugs on me at any time and the stakes on this might be higher than I thought. Yeah. So at this point is reading it, no matter what, if anybody says anything that could remotely be a sense of I might know what's going on, the reader is going to be, oh, Jesus. And yeah. that's what you want for an undercover story. Um. And uh, yeah, the the whole gag with uh, what's his name? Uh. Minos saying, yeah. "Okay, we we're, we've got unauthorized transmissions going on. You assume that it's Nightwing, and maybe he's being caught. And the nice gag of, oh no, it was the girls taking pictures of of Nightwing. Anyway. To, <laughs> you know, to, Give her some extra credit. <laughs> yeah, to, to smack it over, but it, it raised the paranoia for the reader and for a story about somebody undercover. That's crucial. So I thought it was really well that we get the general fun of." Nightwing being chased around like a piece of meat. Now, refresh my memory. Is this the same school that in um, Batman Incorporated, Bruce Wayne sent Stephanie Brown to? I think so. Okay. I wouldn't bet my life on it, but I think so. Seemed familiar. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it just... Yeah, between some of the psychedelic art and uh, this is just totally a a 60s spy story down to the fucking name. The girl who was chasing Nightwing, did you yeah. get her name? Something Lottie. Lottie Duff? Oh, jeez. Jesus. <laughs> that is such a goddamn Ian Fleming name. <laughs> what, was Manda Gobbler taken? Was that... <laughs> it was just, oh, yeah, okay, that's a perfect name. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, there's just a lot of cool, this has been a consistently good book when it started. And when it, when it was first announced and showed the promo pictures of of Dick Grayson with a gun, I'm like, oh, no, somebody's completely missing it. This just isn't going to work. But no, it's 
you know, Steely's got a handle. This is still Dick Grayson. And they're going out of their way in each passing book to to go back and emphasize all of the the skills that that Dick picked up as both Robin and Nightwing the the acrobatic stuff, the stick work, all yeah. of that, not the guns. <laughs> yeah, his so, own detective prowess. <laughs> yeah, it's so yeah, this Dick Grayson is completely in character. Yeah, yeah, with yeah all this neat. 60s cool although modern it's just, it's it's been a really good book i thought it was really well executed yes so good work everybody yeah thanks <laughs> good lunch take five everyone <laughs> all right is there anything else on grayson or no just uh, if you're not buying it go buy it it's a good book yes yes it is <laughs> uh all right so yeah Next one, Spider Verse One. It's been coming for a while. It kids. has, and this was like a, a double issue. It's, it it felt like a long one. There, yeah, there was a. You get a lot of story for your dollar in this one. Yeah. Um. So yeah, written by Dan Slott, Oliver, uh, art by, and I, I always screw this up. <laughs> I almost just screwed it up. I believe it's Olivier Coipel. Okay. I think, reading it phonetically. Um. So yeah, I mean, it's the beginning of Spider. Yeah, there's too much stuff going on here to really summarize just even it. Yeah. Recap it. it. But, but it's it's a story that sort of seems to be falling within the realm of the Spider-Man is not just a a kid who found himself getting spider powers at some point in his life because of a radioactive spider. He's he's he it goes beyond that into he's a totem. <laughs> yeah. He he represents more than than what he seems and Peter Parker is one of several spiders, although he himself, being the the Earth 616 spider, is the most important spider of all. He is the spider with the largest balls or some <laughs> goddamn thing. But yeah, the whole spider totem thing, I'm trying to take that in stride. Well, it gets back to if if you were kind of like, eh, on the Madam Web stories. <laughs> yeah, and I've part of why I'm trying to take it in stride is... I generally liked J. Michael Straczynski's run on Spider-Man, mm-hmm. except how he started it, which, you know, Moreland co- goes back to 2001. It was his first story arc. Mm-hmm. And Straczynski, I still remember the interviews from it because it sounded interesting, but I don't think the ex- the execution didn't work for me, mm-hmm. which is what if Peter Parker being bitten by the spider was not an accident? Which is what gave us the whole spider totem and Morlin and his people who try to feed off it and the concept of... the. I always thought that was a misstep because part of what works with Spider-Man is it's, it's an accident. Yeah. He's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. These things were thrust upon him for no reason. He used them badly and then had to, use, had to learn to use them correctly. Yep. But it could have been anybody. Which is why Peter Parker was so goddamn relatable to start with. It was just dude in the wrong place at the wrong time. To turn that around, it has nothing to do with this issue or what Dan Slott's doing. He's he's taking continuity and using it to make a cool story about 500 Spider-Man. <laughs> and that's fine. But yeah, the whole Spider-Totem thing, I really liked Straczynski's run a lot better after he got away from Moreland and before he got into Gwen Stacy fucking Norman Osborn. There was a sweet spot there that was really fucking good. But yeah, the the origin, the, the 
the the beginning of this story, the the roots of it with Moreland never worked for me. I've never given a shit about Moreland. Yeah, as as an adversary and an excuse to put a whole bunch of Spider-Man together. Okay, fine. I'm I'm trying to take it in stride, but I am with you on that. I I, I like the idea of Peter Parker being a guy that any of us could be. And shit just happened to him. Yeah. And and he grows because of it. Makes some mistakes along the way, but ultimately he grows because of it. Uh it makes him relatable. So then to take it this like step further and it has almost like this like Arthurian bent. It's like now you are the chosen one. Yeah. <laughs> Spider Jesus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Um, you are the Spider Messiah. <laughs> that would be an excellent name for a metal band. <laughs> spider Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> Write down Spider Messiah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, again, I'm going to go into this with an open mind. What I loved about this book is um, Peter Parker and the banter and and the character and the sense of fun he had in the beginning of the book before all of the other 800 spiders showed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I want to see him explore things with Silk. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Silk as a character. Yeah. Um, the, there's potentially a great... I'm afraid st- she's going to eat his head, though. They're going to mate. She's going to rip his head off like she's a black widow, and she's just going to... Well... I've said too much. <laughs> Dan Slott's already killed Peter Parker once. If he does it twice, he's going to have to go witness protection. So I ain't too worried about that. But... No, but there is potentially a great setup here between Peter's obvious pheromonal. Yeah. That's not a word. But, but <laughs> no, I think it is. Thing with pheromones with Silk, and he just meets the Gwen Stacy Spider Woman yeah. in this issue. You know, there could potentially be some very interesting fireworks there, depending then, on how old they write Gwen Stacy, because if she's 17, that's a little creepy. But Yeah. Well, um, and then there's also he. He meets again Mayday, and who's Mayday's mom supposed to be? Mary Jane. Right. So that's a lot of shit to have yeah. carrying around in your head. <laughs> plus, okay. plus the the little boy that, that Mayday is caring for who's supposed to be her brother. Yeah. <laughs> but here's something I literally just thought of. Peter is supposed to be uncontrollably horny for Silk because they were bitten by the same spider. However, if this is a multiverse and it is the same spider across multiverses, shouldn't he just be sweaty and boning and just pouring cold water on his neck? Yeah. Although it's not the same spider. I mean, some of them are like they had they had some of the spider clones in there and they had um, I I don't know what spider Ham's story is. Uh. Uh, He was bitten by a radioactive Pig? I don't. I honestly don't know. That's one of those characters that was just sort of around, sort of around when I was a kid. But yeah. um, so it, it may just be that it's the same spider in that particular Earth because they they've also pointed out that some of the characters, or at least one of the characters in particular, has cosmic powers that go beyond the spider thing, but only well, in his dimension. Yeah, but that actually came from uh, a David, and I always screw this guy's up too, Michelini, Mich- who uh, the dude who wrote Spider Man in the eighties when Todd McFarlane was okay. uh, was also was doing the art. 
but uh this writer also did it for for a while he he did it when uh uh, who draws a set of a dragon? Why am I drawing a blank? Eric Larson. Thank you. Uh, who did the art after um, McFarlane? But yeah, there was a whole story arc where, yeah, Peter was he got the cosmic power of Captain Universe. So yeah, it was something that happened like eighty nine or ninety. So I know where that came from. Yeah, but I I, I think. But it occurs to me I don't have those issues either. Thanks, little brother, for rifling my fucking collection while <laughs> I was in college. But I, I think that. They they probably can chalk up Silk and Peter's attraction to each other purely based on something it's related to their own strand of the web that they're on on their Earth. Yeah. But. Also, what is this other that uh, well they kept talking about? The like, thing is, I, I have some gaps in my memory, but the other, it occurs to me, uh, remember that crossover back in 2005? It was when Straczynski was writing it. Okay. But uh, Peter David and I think Reginald Hudlin mm. uh, also wrote pieces of it. But it was, again, it was after Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 came out in the theaters. Okay. So it was a thing where Peter found out he had like blood cancer and was dying and Moreland came back okay. to attack him. And Peter wound up killing him and then dying in air quotes uh, but then his his body was found erupted as if his skin were shed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and he went into a cocoon. Yeah. And, he, and that's when he came out with the organic web shooters right. and the stingers that everyone okay. has forgotten that that ever happened. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, the other was uh, the point of the story, if I'm remembering right, uh, I want to say a bunch of spiders infected the shred husk of peter's body and represented the spider part of spider-man and peter had to learn to embrace both the spider and the man to keep his new powers and there were big questions as to whether peter was even human anymore well that's deep man and then i want to say the the husk went off to have its own cocoon (laughs) now and i'm trying to remember if that's where kane came from or if kane was a piece of the spider clone i honestly don't remember but it would explain why they're yelling at Kane that he's the other. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that all came from that crossover back in 2005, 2006. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Thank you. But how they're going to do something with it, you know, don't worry. It's no big deal that you forgot. It really wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was an excuse to make Spider-Man more like the movie in hopes of shifting more units. And clearly that attitude has changed at Marvel Comics. Yes. yes. But. And yeah, how much of that was erased because of one more day? Because at that point, he, right. he didn't have his organic web shooters anymore. And I'm guessing just based on this, at some point, somebody's going to come out with stingers, you know, mm-hmm. like spiders have. Scorp- Scorpion <laughs> Man? <laughs> so. Hey, Jessica Drew's in this. She's got sort of stingers, but they're like energy blasts. Yeah, so... So yeah, how exactly that's going to fit in, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, all I know is the the scene with uh, the web weaver showing all the little. Yeah, another thing with little cells showing all the different Spider Men. Yeah, uh, I thought it was okay. Yep, that's definitely the one from the 1960s cartoon. I think I saw a Rorschach Spider Man in there. <laughs> but uh, you know, an interesting point to this book is all of these. Not all of these spiders are are Peter Parker. 
from these different Earths. Like there's one that is like Bruce Banner apparently gets it in <laughs> yeah in one of them and. There's there's an individual that they only refer to as the old man. So now I'm wondering, is it Logan? Is it Steve Rogers? <laughs> Just flat off the top of my head, uh, I'm going to go with Uncle Ben. Ooh, literally off the top of my head, I, I wouldn't lay more than a dollar down on that. But that would be cool. That's my bet. That would be really really cool. So, so yeah. It's, now I want to know. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. Dan Slott's always been able to do. I mean, on paper, you know, 500 Spider-Men, that's stupid. <laughs> you know, on paper, all of New York is now has Spider-Man powers. That's stupid. He always makes them fun. And yeah, he, he grabs every piece of continuity that can possibly make it make sense. And not all of that continuity I have ever necessarily liked. Like I said, I don't give a fuck about Moreland. I've never cared about Moreland. Yeah. The entire storyline that introduced him. Uh, I got through until the good stuff started with Straczynski's run, but he he turns it into fun stuff. So at this point, I've I like he, the art also. I, I'd have to say in this book. Oh yeah, it was a good looking book. Yeah. I mean, Koipel, I've always he did certain pieces of Avengers versus X Men. Yep. So he's he's always solid. But at this point, Dan Slott has earned enough of my trust. That even if it looks like it's going to be ridiculous or looks like it's going to be horrible, you know, Superior Spider-Man enraged the whole free world. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it wound up being pretty solid, even though there were individual pieces where being, uh, that this issue didn't work for me. Nah, this is just, I don't care about this. But in general, he, he's earned enough trust that more of this is, is going to be fun than not. Yeah. So. So as event books go this so far this one's working yeah <laughs> so all right we got anything else because yeah we're we're at an hour and a half here i i think we've covered everything all right so fuck it okay <laughs> uh, stay tuned for our continuing adventures with registration attempts for san diego comic-con 2015 yeah we're, <laughs> we're not going to make a big thing about it from here on out of the <laughs> Like I said, we'll 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 talk about it now and again. We're certainly going to try like hell to get there to to cover it again, but you know if we can't cover that, we'll cover two or three other pretty good ones for you. Yes. So, but yeah, barring that, uh, you can. Uh, I don't know where you found this show, but our home website is crisisoninfinitemidlives dot com. If you want to shoot us an email, let us know if we're loud enough or not. Um, <laughs> you can uh, get us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail dot com. Uh, we are on Twitter. We are. Do you remember what it is? I have no idea. What's our Twitter handle? <laughs> at Infinite Midlife. That's stupid. Why do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're at Infinite Midlife. Uh, we are on Facebook. Um, we don't do a lot there, but... Uh, we're there. We are there. <laughs> you can find the link to our Facebook page on our, our homepage. Um, yeah, you can uh, find this uh, on iTunes. If you go to iTunes, search for Crisis on Infinite Midlives, you'll find us. If you get it there, do us a favor. Shoot us a review, you know, give us a rating beyond the fact that we're apparently not loud enough. <laughs> you know, we're, we're making this up as we go. So it'd be nice to hear how we're doing. Dude, we don't mean to keep harping on that. <laughs> it's just, yeah. we were yeah. actually excited we got any feedback, frankly. Well, it, and it's also, we're in no way convinced that this show is even listenable some weeks. <laughs> so if our biggest problem is we're not loud enough, fuck, we can fix that and take over the goddamn world, man. So, but, uh. Yes, we are also proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Yes. 
Uh, are we anywhere else? I think that's everything. Uh, the local bar. We're not going to tell you where that is. Cause no. Don't fucking bother us. We're drinking. <laughs> All right. So that is it. Uh, this has been the Crisis on Infinite Midlife Show, episode 41. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and uh, endure. Uh, we, we can't be that loud. I can hear the cat screaming at me. <laughs>